the show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. We are back. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim, the Swift Sleeper Hootay. Zim, say what's up to the people. What's up, people? How y'all doing? We're coming off our first Thursday night. How y'all feeling out there? Let's go. Feeling good. I'm glad you brought it up. Let's get into it. The scrimmage happened. It seems like the defense won, but Joey B had a solid showing. From your perspective, I'm not sure if you got to to catch all of it, uh, but what was what were your take takeaways from the scrimmage itself? The scrimmage itself is like it's one thing that I'm very skeptical on every year. The pass rush looks really really good, but I don't know if that's just contributed to a bad offensive line. But that was one of the main things that stuck out to me. Joey B is going to be Joey B. But I think for the first time, fans got to see the realistic, like, I, I think we've seen a lot of, like, uh, 11 on 11 stuff. You'd be like, Joe Burrow went 10 for 11. Joe Burrow's unstoppable. I think for the first time, he kind of seemed a little human. I think he, my final numbers, I think we're at 15 for 27 or 17 for 29, somewhere around there. Uh, but it was the first time he seen, not, not, that, that, not that he played bad, but that actually had incomplete passes and it was you know like this was full speed i don't know that that was my biggest thing is i think for the first time i know fans like us we didn't get the chance to see it because we're listening to on the radio but it was the first time i just felt like okay there's going to be some growing pains and i think everybody needs to be ready for it and i'm not saying that to be like negative i'm just saying like don't expect superman uh overnight superman's coming but not overnight that was my biggest takeaway. Right. I think I think you're right on that. Joey B definitely looked a little bit more human. But some of the things that kind of stood out to me were the chemistry that he had with Tyler Boyd, the chemistry that he had with Mike Thomas and some of those uh, younger receivers. I just can't wait to see him with those better weapons. But other things that he showed me tonight was his ability to try to get away from pressure and still make plays. Obviously, we knew that he did that a lot at LSU, but we saw him make that tonight. The other thing that really stood out for me was, I think it was either a third or fourth down. You guys can correct me in the comments, but it was a make or break play. And right before the play, Joe called an audible and changed the play up. 
and he ended up throwing a first down to Tyler Boyd. But the other key thing is that he also asked Jacquez Patrick to block an incoming linebacker. And Jacquez actually made that play, which ended up giving Joe a deep pocket. So I think that him being able to give slide protections and stuff like that is also going to help him with a weaker offensive line. So I think those were things that he kind of showed me uh, tonight as well. On the flip side, I think the defense kind of showed us some things as well. They kind of bounced back from that first scrimmage because a lot of people said, hey, it's great that Joe Burrow is is doing well for us, but that means that he was carving up the defense. I saw a lot of things. I heard a lot. Well, obviously, I didn't see him, but I heard a lot of things that I liked tonight with William Jackson III. Everything I've heard about William Jackson III so far this year, even going back to Zach Taylor, shouting him out in an interview, has been solid. I also heard some things about your boy, Jermaine Pratt. Uh, it looks like he had a play in coverage where he was able to break up a pass and Lap made the comment that he's done that a lot. They could look for him to be that guy. The negative things are, it seems outside of Logan Wilson and some of our young linebackers, a lot of them were allowing some tight end passes to happen and were really blowing assignments. Uh, but I also seen that our guy, Khalid Kareem, who we had on the show, seemed to be getting right. some reps with the first team. So I don't know if that was because Dunlap was out tonight, but even if that's the case, you know, that was exciting to hear. And it seemed like Lap was pretty excited about Khalid Kareem as well. What were your thoughts from a, from the defensive side of things about how the scrimmage went? From the defensive side of things, like I said, it's, it's really hard for me to judge sometimes because uh, time and time again for the last two years, it's looked really, really good for the defensive pass rush when we get into this preseason setting. So it's really, really tough for me to see that. Like they having the, the ringing endorsements for Jermaine Pratt were really big. Uh, big shout out to Jesse Bates on the interception. Uh, there were some things that I think stood out, but more importantly, I guess I was looking at wide receiver. I was glad to see T. Higgins was out there. Uh, I know you switched the defense, but I, I just was really, really paying attention. When I say paying attention, I'm just like listening in one ear to the call, going on right. Twitter for the other stuff. So me physically seeing this stuff, people. If I'm a little bit off base, you know, like, sorry. yeah, the one thing was Jesse Bates did have that pick, but apparently on that play, Mike Thomas was like tangled up by Von Bell, and they were saying that it was defensive pass interference, which okay. negated that. So apparently, that was the reason why Jesse Bates caught it. And there was really some confusion on that play because they came back and they were like, oh, it was defensive pass interference, but technically, that should have been a first down and another opportunity for Joe Burrow and them to score. But since they caught it the other way, it was like too late for them to reverse it. So it was kind of weird, like you said. Like it was a lot of things that were like, and I think even with the first Tyler Boyd touchdown, I'm still not sure if that was a touchdown or not because Dan Horace said it was, but there's other people saying that Hubbard had a sack on that play. So it's right, right, right. hard to tell if, if Joe Burrow had two touchdowns to Tyler Boyd or just one. It, it was kind of hard to tell, like you said, with us not being able to see it, it definitely made things a lot harder. Uh, I'm sorry, I think I almost had somebody try to call me. Uh, let me ask you moving forward. Now that you've seen what you've seen now, what are some things that you're going to be looking for week one going against the Chargers? What are some what are some things that stood out just based off of tonight that so maybe I think, need to be improved? So I think one thing that happened before the scrimmage that was Chargers Bengals related is that they talked about Derwin James sustaining that serious injury and him missing significant time. Uh, so that means that him and Mike Williams are likely out of that first game. Uh, what I would look forward to seeing is how Joe Burrow 
addresses that first game, how his performance and decision-making comes out, because I think it's a very winnable game. I really feel very optimistic, especially with some of the Chargers' best players being out. Uh, I think that we also have to see what the Bengals' defense is going to do. I mean, this was a unit that wasn't the best itself, so I would like to see how far along those two units have come, and hopefully we see something that's similar uh, in a sense to how we came out against the Seahawks, which I think there's they're two totally different teams, but like how we came out with that really good performance against the Seahawks, but this time we actually pull off the win. That's what I would like to see is the Cincinnati Bengals get off to one and oh. I really am starting like I, I hate to just be the all all the time optimistic guy, <laughs> but I'm really getting excited about what I'm hearing. I'm, I'm really getting excited about what I'm hearing about this team. What about you? I'm getting excited, but I'm getting excited because I'm thinking more like in the future. I don't like the more and more the days go by and I go look at like other teams around the league, like there, there, there's not too many shabby teams. And I think I've said this all along. It's just the division. If we if we weren't in that division, I would confidently confidently say, yes, this is number seven C. I mean, the seven teams in the playoffs. Like I would say that I would definitely the only thing that makes me feel that way now, the Browns have had a lot of injuries as well. So I don't know if, if, if people are counting out of that, counting that as well. And I always feel like, and we said this off air, the Steelers and the Ravens are just one quarterback. I guess you could say that any, anywhere, though. You're just one quarterback away from not being anything, you know. So that's the reluctant list I have is, is that part. And it's just growing pain. The offensive line, the pass rush that they're going to get week one, is going to be on a whole nother world. We're talking about pro bowlers like um, in Ingram and in, in Bosa. Like, these are all pros. Like, this is no joke. Joe Burrow's never even been hit. So that's the only reason that, that makes me proceed with caution. But if I'm thinking ahead of time, I'm thinking, like, if they address the offseason like they did this offseason, when it comes 2021, I, I feel like full speed ahead. Because even, like, later on, you know how in free agency, like, uh, LaShawn McCoy and guys like that are hanging around? If, right. the, if the Bengals just have an 8-8 eight and eight season and they look like they're in their, in, their, in their stock is going up, guys like that are going to join the team like nothing. Like, right. that's, what, that's what buying into free agency does. It's like it, it, it starts to get the wheels turning on people and they say, okay, they're spending a little bit of money. Then you, you see the progress from an up-and-coming quarterback like Joe Burrow. And you see all these guys like standing with Mike Brown over the weekend, different things right. like that. These these small things that get that get put in our brain. I, I'm more so looking at 2021. If they went like how they just went this offseason, they're looking at a full Super Bowl run, like period. Right. This year, I don't know if my expectations can my expectations cannot be limited to their record. I'm gonna be looking at like who's winning battles one on one, different things like that, and that's where. I'm like, I'm looking at it tonight and saying, okay, proceed with a little bit of caution. Like, just understand they were two and 14. Like, let's, right. let's be clear. Facts. No, I think that you're right. And I think when you said that last year, you were like, I usually don't make predictions because it goes bad. And when we did that, it happened. So we're not giving out any predictions this year because we ended up having one of the worst seasons after that happened. So we're not giving predictions this season. Uh, but one thing that I want to talk about that, that Zim touched on was how big it was for Mike Brown to take a stance with the players. So obviously it came out uh, about a week ago with Carlos Dunlap and A.J. Green just really saying that they would like to have just a conversation with uh, upper management, the ownership. And, and really they were really pointing at ownership because we've seen in the past that they've had talks and, 
and things like that with Zach and the coaching staff. So they were already on the same page. But in lieu of recent events, they just really wanted to have that backing uh, from ownership. And I think it was a cool conversation because I think when it comes to things outside of just what's going on, it there hasn't really been a good track record of Bengals players being able to tell Mike Brown what to do or to make big steps that he's not comfortable with. So I think that this was major in that situation. But I think what was also cool is that the players and if you've ever actually studied the history of the Cincinnati Bengals from where they started initially when they moved to Cincinnati, you know that they actually have been one of the first franchises that made strides in uh, the color barrier. They were one of the very first teams to actually allow black people onto their teams. And when you talk about from a coaching perspective, so that was a part of it as well. But it was super dope to just see the whole Mary thing and happen. Right. Facts. Facts. And I, I think that a lot of people were wondering because we were all wondering, all right, are they going to release a statement? What's going to happen? And, you know, Zach Taylor kind of put that to bed. And I think that Zach Taylor has done a great job with any of those issues. He always is able to kind of put them down, whereas Marvin would let them kind of linger. Um, but we're expecting essentially just a statement. Saturday on their day off, Bengals players and owners marched down to the Freedom Center that my dad actually works at the Freedom. He actually volunteers at the Underground Railroad Freedom Center there in Cincinnati. That was just the perfect gesture for them to recognize that, the history. And if you're from Cincinnati, you know how tough this was because we had race riots and all of that before we had what's going on now. The internet just wasn't telling that story. And so this, of all places for it to happen, was significant. For them to go to the Underground Railroad uh, Museum, that was significant. For them to spend time to kind of go through and go through the history and all of that was significant. But the most significant thing was that Mike Brown stood up there behind them. And I don't think, and I might be wrong, but I don't think I've ever seen any player um, or any team when they released a statement like this that had the owner sitting right there. So we heard from Trey Hopkins, and then we heard from Joe Burrow, which was just amazing and it was great to see that all of these uh individuals are all on one page and I, I think that that was dope zim i don't know if you have any thoughts on it i, I see that you you went dark but do you have any thoughts on what transpired uh with the Bengals and and mike brown looks like zim is having some audio issues he can't he cannot hear me uh, but um, it seems like he's going to leave and come back in, but I have literally never seen anything like that. Um, it's, it's dope to see it. It's dope to hear that Mike Brown is, is listening to them. And obviously those are all serious issues. Um, hopefully it ends up, uh, going down to like building an in indoor facility, practice facility, but Hey, it's the start. It's great to see Mike Brown and Katie stand with those guys. It's great to see that, you know, we all want the world to be a better place. So I, I, I think that that was dope. Um, and we'll have to see what this this season ends up uh, bringing us. But we're going to bring Zim back in. He just rejoined us. Zim, what were your thoughts on Mike Brown and Katie Blackburn standing with the Bengals and doing a march on on Saturday? So one of the biggest things that I, I, I had recently, I don't know if you all caught the show that I had, I had a, uh, a show called No Justice, No Peace that I put out in uh, me and Ace week. We couldn't get timed up. Uh, that week, but this was over the weekend or something right before. But around that time, that's when the Ravens came out with their statement. Different people came out with their statement, and I was questioning what would the Bengals do. You you hinted at it. You hit it right on the nail. Where you're saying like Bengals early on, 
you know, with players like uh, Marion Motley and, and breaking the color barrier with the NFL. And there's so many different instances that Mike Brown could look at his father and say, like, you know, he was a pioneer in the in a racial divide uh, with the NFL. And so I was always looking for that. And I thought it was kind of troubling. And I hinted at this on the show that I recorded is that Dunlap and A.J. Green and guys like that say, yeah, it's got to come from the higher ups. And I think when Dunlap put his arm around uh, Mike Brown, there was a brief moment where he did that. I think uh, and Mike Brown didn't waver away from it. I, I thought I read into that a little bit, but I just thought that was a big thing for him to stay in front and center where there are not a lot of owners that are doing that. And I told you this, too. Like, to be at that age with COVID being very, very present in today's society, that's a big risk for him to even go out there. Like, right. if my grandmother, my grandfather goes out there uh, amongst all those people and they're 80-something years old or something like that, I'm, I'm like, scared. You know what I'm saying? So that's a big thing for him to go out there. And I, I just think that's a good move. And I think it's just the building blocks of creating a, a better legacy than I think what a lot of fans probably give him credit for. So I was really happy for it. I've been I've never been one to dog him for it. Some of the cheap stuff that people talked about from before, like when we talk about locker room stuff and jock traps and all that, yeah, that's super damn cheap. But when it came to free agency and stuff, I thought they really bought into the fact of homegrown drafting and their and their principles are no different than the Steelers or the Packers if you look at them in free agency all the time. It's just from a fan's standpoint, when you're listening, you pick up your phone and it goes, dun, 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 and it never goes across the screen. The Bengals aren't on there. You're just like, man, the Bengals don't ever do that. It's like 10 teams in the NFL that never really are that active in free agency. So I never really called them cheap on the strength of that. So for the last 20 years, I never really felt like that same sentiment. And I, and I just don't have negative feelings towards them. And like I've said this a million times on this show, I'll never tell somebody what to do with their money. Like, right. you know, it's just one of my principles. So even though I report on the team and I try to have my opinion and stuff, just because there's a free agency or, I mean, a free agent or somebody that I think they should get or trade for, I don't know the financial ramifications on it from their standpoint and their bank account. Just because the salary cap says so, you don't know behind the scenes. So I've never really been quick to judge them like that. And I watch teams like the Packers and the Steelers get lots of players. Like Antonio Brown is a, a what a fifth, sixth round player. Like there right. are a lot of players that that are on good teams or were on good teams or teams that had big success without going into free agency. Now to win a Super Bowl, like that's why I hit at 2021. Mike Brown has to get a keys to Katie and, and Duke Tobin and say, Hey, look, go get me one before I go. Right. Period. Right. Yeah, I, I hope that we definitely see that. And it was um, it was something that I was actually looking into. There never has been a rookie that has has won the Super Bowl his first year. So I, not saying that it, it can't happen, but, you know, the chances of that happening aren't really um, aren't really there. Uh, so you're so, thinking Super Bowl? No, I'm not thinking Super Bowl. I but, think. But, but look at Kyler I, so, Murray, though. Look at Kyler Murray. Do you do you consider that a, a very successful rookie year? Uh, I think it was, I think it was definitely some progress. I wouldn't say that it was the best. I think when I think about one of the most successful rookie seasons and, and I'm, I'm just trying to go this past decade instead of extending back to like big Ben and all of that. I don't want to go back that far, but I think the most successful one that I was hoping that, that, um, Joe Burrow could, could kind of, um, 
could kind of emulate would be when Andrew Luck went to the Colts. They won like two games the year prior, and then I think they went like nine and seven or something like that. It was it was a big turnaround. So I think that if we could get that, that would be that would be the thing. I think a Super Bowl type thing for Joe Burrow in like year one would be Joe Burrow sneaking into the playoffs as that last seed and getting a playoff win and just putting that to bed already. Like I would love that because he wouldn't have that pressure season in, season out of, are the Bengals going to win a playoff game this year? Are the Bengals going to win a playoff game this year? Like, we need to really get past that and move toward, I don't know. I, I towards don't know. I, For one. I don't think it can happen I, this year. I'm just saying best case I scenario. Do. No, 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 no. I do think it can happen. Like, if you gave me a scale, if you gave me a percentage chance that I think it happened, I think it's like a 25 to 30% chance that they could get the number seven seed. The AFC, with Tom Brady departing, to me, is super wide open in that extent. Because now it's just Pat Mahomes, right? But it's always got to be one person who goes against Lamar, right? Okay, cool. After that, there's a big drop off. Like, as far as, like, who are these dominant teams? Like, you know, like, I just if, – if you look at the games, like, you gave me the stat, and everybody knows this. There were nine games within one score. Joe Burrow wins 70% of those games. That's what he flourishes on. So right. that right that, that, that alone right there is a seven-win, eight-win season. To get the nine and seven, I mean, to get the number seven seed, like I, I said earlier in the thing, that's just one Ben Roethlisberger elbow away, or 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 Lamar or Lamar Jackson being out a couple weeks. Right. Them 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 going out a couple weeks and him not being the captain of the show drastically changes everything that you think about. Now the now the Ravens defense is not as good as you think it is. Right. Hey, before I go, I want to talk about this real quick. You got your fantasy draft tonight. I had my fantasy draft tonight. I'm gonna tell y'all people. Bengals players are wide open. You can get anybody you want, including Joe Mixon. You can get him second, third round maybe um, in some drafts. Is there anybody that you want to give the people listening tonight? Is there anybody that you're going to be targeting maybe from a Bengals perspective or who is your number one draft sleeper? Because mine is DeAndre Swift. I think is absolutely going to kill this year. Who is yours? I think Bengals related. To be honest with you, I have not like in years past, I've been a fantasy nut. This year, it just really hasn't hasn't registered for me. Uh, but I think the first Bengals player, like if I had to to bet the house on a Bengals player that's gonna be very productive in fantasy this year, it's Tyler Boyd. I, I think I gotta go with Tyler Boyd. I think Joe Mixon definitely is gonna do his thing, but I think Tyler Boyd is gonna be the best value. Like you might be able to get Tyler Boyd in the sixth, seventh round. I think that that's crazy for the value that he's gonna give you with Joe Burrow. What about you? You said DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you guys are looking like Cam Akers is a running back, I, I really, really like. Um, he's a running back from Florida State. From I really, really love. It. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but I, I just feel like he's gonna kill it this year. You can get guys like he kind of reminds me. I drafted Miles Sanders last year, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were like, "Who's that?" And I mean, I was like, "I'm in a PPR league, so I'm looking for straight pass catching. I got Kamara, I got, I got Lamar, I got, I got a really good staff, but." I'm going to tell you, T. Higgins, guys like that aren't even getting drafted. John Ross doesn't even get it drafted. Tyler Boyd, you can get him. Like, you, he's going to be there. Like, I got, I got a list if anybody wants it. I'm going to send you a list of the average uh, draft position of any Bengals player. But the, number, but the number one sleeper, look at me before I go, is Joey, Joey B. He's there to be had. If you get to your – in a 10-man league, if you get to your 12th pick, and he's still there because all the elite wide receivers, all the elite running backs there are gone. 
get Joey B. I just I, I don't see how you can pass on him. He's he's going to be there like 12th, third round. You might get in in a draft with some knowledgeable people and they go get him or whatever, but he's there. And I and I and I did a lot of mocks and everything like that. The first real one, but right. he's there, people, and and it's crazy. But I I I, I want to tell you all, thank you very much for supporting me, Ace, in this crazy crazy time with COVID. All these different things running rampant. We're still trying to get justice in the world. We're still trying to get a lot of different things to go our way, including this Bengals football team. That's all I got for you guys tonight. Yep. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Zim Hude and at New Stripe City on Twitter. Follow Zim on Instagram at Zim underscore uh, Hude. And then also follow me on YouTube at New Stripe City. That's it. We're out. Hude. Out. Hude. <laughs>